Hello. I want to tell you about a new podcast on Arcade Audio called Lakeshore in Limbo. It's an improvised occult noir detective series told using tabletop role-playing game rules. It stars CJ Tour, who is a performer with the Second City Theatricals, as Vince Melody, a gentleman detective who looks suspiciously like a Golden Age Hollywood film star who should certainly be dead by now. Nathan Kaplan, who is an alum of the Second City's Severn Darden graduate program, as Abe Cohen, Vince's crotchety alchemist partner, and Tina Arfay, who is a performer at the I.O. and Annoyance Theaters as Sassy, a young woman with a criminal past who used to be a cat. And it's narrated by me, James Harvey Freely. To listen, just search for Lakeshore and Limbo in your favorite podcatcher, and be sure to subscribe for new episodes each week. Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let Sleeping Dogs Lie, the comedy trivia show of answering questions and questioning answers. I'm your host, Spencer Hamilton, and I'll be awarding points to our two teams based on how well they know trivia and how good they are at lying. In Let Sleeping Dogs Lie, an incorrect answer is worth just as many points as a correct one. At least, as long as our players can trick the other team into believing it. Now let's meet tonight's panel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let Sleeping Dogs Lie, live from the Comedy Sports Theater here in Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the stage, your panels, and your host, Spencer Hamilton! Oh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Let Sleeping Dogs Lie, the comedy game show of answering questions and question answers. I am Spencer Hamilton, and tonight's theme is going to be Game of Thrones. Already <laughs> <laughs> laughing. Uh, but before we get to that, let's uh, meet our, our teams for the night. What is uh, the team to my left? Uh, we are Pal Drogo. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Pal Drogo. Thank you. <laughs> and let's uh, meet our individual players starting on the far end. Oh, we are a Palazar. Uh, individually, I am Sammy Tamimi, and my house motto is, did I do that? <laughs> are we going to get house models for everybody? Yep. You're good. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, after Sammy? I am Miles Potter, house motto, go and get it! <laughs> okay. Uh, my name is Jason We Met, and my house motto is, friendships are fun. <laughs> okay. And I'm glad we gave you the smallest microphone, so that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. This uh, is great. Okay. Feel free to take it out if you want, but that's Friendships are fun. <laughs> okay. And the team name to my right? Uh, we are Drogon Wild. Dr- oh! Yeah, that's right. Okay, and let's meet our players starting on the far end. Uh, I am Daryl Monty. Uh, my house motto is peace, love, unity, respect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's very nice. I am Jason Geis. My house motto is no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> and finally. Uh, uh, I'm Charlie Williams, and my house motto is uh, you guys don't have Bud Light Lime. Y'all got Bud Light? Y'all got a lime? Y'all got Bud Light Lime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's math. Like an instructional sort of a house model. Very nice. I just want everyone to make sure what goes down in my house. <laughs> you have a very big shield. Yeah. Who are you asking in your house? <laughs> yeah, what's the sigil look like, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, it's just a can of Bud Light, the plus sign, and then a big line. 
All right, there should uh, be Clydesdales on it. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start with the team to my left here, Pal Drogo. Now, Game of Thrones is obviously inspired by medieval Europe, and as such, it's filled with a bunch of tropes based on common misconceptions. No, generals didn't drop battles on big maps, and no, ice zombies couldn't actually ride horses. Another popular myth about the Middle Ages... Catholics don't eat meat on Fridays based on a decree by a powerful medieval pope. There was never such a formal decree. It was actually uh, King Edward VI who banned meat. Yet the Vatican still included it in its fasting rules up until the 60s. Uh, that was a few years too late for entrepreneur Lou Groen, who in 1962 invented a new product to attract Catholics to his business on Fridays. What was Lou Groen's invention? All right, Pal Drogo, what do you think here? What was Lou Groen's invention that attracted Catholics to his business? Spencer, we had like a real like shocking moment here. I found something out about Jason we met I did not know. What 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 did you find out? Jason, please. Well, it goes along with the answer. Okay. Uh, so I'll give the answer first or It's it's up to you. Um I'll give the answer first. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, it's the fillet of fish. The fillet of fish, okay. Well, <laughs> Is there a story? I'm, what's your story? Yeah. Well, I just, I told Sammy that I worked at McDonald's. <gasps> this all happened in a 20-second time span? You told him a whole story? Yeah, yeah. Eight, 18 of those seconds was Sammy gasping. <laughs> a very long gasp. Is there more to that story, or just you worked there? No, I worked there. I could tell you stories, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll get to one later. Sure. Okay. So, filet of fish is the answer. No. <laughs> so normally this would be a point of time so where... I think it's... Uh, uh, we're going to say no. Okay. Uh, so you're not going to ask any questions or anything. You're just like... Well, we had a similar answer, but it's not the exact same thing. Interesting. Yeah. It's the Burger King filet of fish. <laughs> well, so I'll ask a question. Because yeah. you worked there, they teach you the history of each of the sandwiches? Yeah. There's okay, a, good. It's like... You've taken the SATs? Yes. Yes. It's I didn't. I just took the McDonald's version. <laughs> Would you make SATs? <laughs> Could you do you mind giving us a quick recap of the of a of the burgers history? <laughs> Uh, the filet of fish or just burgers? No, in just general? burgers in just general. Sandwiches. Um, so, like the Midwest is known for um, uh, like smashed, uh, like flat top burgers, where they take the meat and they smear it. Smear it. <laughs> like it's like you know, a there's smeared... a whole documentary about this, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ran out of time, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, so what do we? Th so you think they're lying? Yes. yes. Okay. And what do we uh, think the real answer is? It's the Friday fish fry. Like it's a special. Okay, I see. Yeah. Just in, in general. Ooh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. actually, Jason was right. It was the filet of fish. Yeah. That's right. So <laughs> some applause for Jason. The Palisar. Yeah. So uh, so actually, my very first applause. <laughs> <laughs> There's more where that came from, buddy. A sixteen hundred uh, on the Mick SATs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so th this is kind of interesting. So ba basically, uh, he owned the first McDonald's franchise in the Cincinnati area, which was 90% uh, Catholic. Uh, so he whipped up a fish sandwich and brought it to the McDonald's headquarters. And Roy Crock, or Ray Crock rather, made him a deal. Uh, whoever came up with the more successful sandwich uh, would get it on the menu. So Roy Ray's sandwich, do you know Ray's sandwich? Yeah, it was a grilled pineapple burger. That's correct. That was yeah, the Hula Burger. That was called, that's it was 1600. The, Luau, oh. the, the Hula Burger. Luau burger. Uh, that's that's awesome. I'm I'm gonna give you guys some some bonus Charlie. Charlie can, is just a guest. I, I am 
Now, obsessed. What now, you can't see on the podcast is a roaring standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jason really did work at McDonald's. I believe him now. Oh you know, I was skeptical, but... <laughs> no, I can only tell... I can't... On this show, I can't tell lies. That, I don't think you've ever told a lie, honestly. I told a lie one time, and I got... Oh my god! I got just yelled at. Like it was, it was bad. It was backstage, though. It was backstage. There was blood. I really dressed you down. Yeah. All right. Uh, Drill gone wild. Let's uh, get you guys in the game here. Targaryen, uh, Targaryen, Stark, Baratheon. Game of Thrones, among many things, is known for its iconic houses. Someone else known for their iconic houses is famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright. (laughs) Pretty good, right? (laughs) Frank Lloyd Wright, who once, when asked in a court of law to state his occupation, responded with the world's greatest architect. That's true. uh, Designed many famous buildings like Falling Water in Pennsylvania, the Guggenheim Museum in New York, and the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo. However, only about 500 of the thousand buildings he designed were ever actually built. One of his most well-known what-ifs was a building he designed in 1956 when he was 88 years old called the Illinois that would have been built right here in downtown Chicago but was never constructed. What would have been unique about Frank Lloyd Wright's proposed building, the Illinois? So long, Frank Lloyd Wright. I can't believe your song is gone so soon. He's a real banger. <laughs> That's Simon Garfunkel, baby. <laughs> All right, what do you think here? Uh, what, what would have been unique about uh, this building? Um, well, first of all, the, the biggest thing that it, it, it was one story. It covered 17 blocks, and it was the shape of the state Illinois. <laughs> there you go. Oh, oh, so 17 blocks. Mm-hmm. Where was this going to be located? Uh, South Loop. South Loop. So <laughs> Very a square mile. A square mile. Yes footage of the what, and you can and he put restriction on it that they could never build above the first story yeah the air rights <laughs> okay he wanted to encompass what the midwest feels like just open <laughs> wide open, space wide and very flat charlie yes i wanted to be an architect when i was in high school did you what did you always want to be <laughs> Oh man, uh, when I, I wanted to be a dinosaur real bad for a long time. In, in high school. Um, in high school. How, how did it go? Did you ever make it? Um, <laughs> I'm, maybe. I'm still hoping. My mom is disappointed. Uh, just generally speaking. Just genuine, yes. Because she's part dino? Uh, yes, and I'm not full dino. Oh, dang. But you do have dino DNA, right, from Jurassic can Park, I, right? Can I take points away from Spencer for that one? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, I now have negative points. That's fair. But he gets points back for looking like Richard Attenborough. Do I look like Richard Attenborough? Like a young Richard Attenborough. I heard some applause. I'll give myself points. Yeah. <laughs> back to zero. I'll take it. Uh, but, but I am genuinely curious, because I love the paths we've all taken into entertainment. What, were, what did you actually want to be, other than an entertainer, not like high school or college? Um, well, I'm pre-med, so I was, yeah. Shut up. Yeah, <gasps> I will. <laughs> That's two Sammy Pearl grasps in one show. <laughs> My stars. Yeah. Uh, S- Sammy's getting the vapors over there. <laughs> I was looking through some of my old yearbooks, and in my first grade yearbook, at the end of the yearbook, it had like, what occupation do you want to be when you grow up? And there's a bunch of options, and then an option where you could write something in. And I had written in farmer. What? <laughs> and uh, that didn't happen. Spencer, can I, what would you farm? Uh, honestly, I have no clue what I was thinking. I, I'm an indoor kid. I don't know. I have no clue. I would farm gold in World of Warcraft. Soybeans. I just 
love the idea of you looking out a window and seeing <laughs> space and being just like, I'm going to plant something. <laughs> in Much like Frank Lloyd Wright when he was going to build the Illinois. Exactly. What a great transition back into the game. Do you think um, this is true? I think, I think they're telling the truth. <laughs> what we, mean, we met does not speak for the I'm, team. I'm from here, and so because of that, I feel it's true. <laughs> well, out of curiosity's sake, what do the other two uh, teammates think? Well, why not? Why not? <laughs> sure, sure. We, let's go down with We Met. Okay. That, we like that, Jason a bit. That is what you're going to do. You're, you're going to go down with him. Uh, you were close. I was actually, it would have been exactly one mile tall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Boom. Well, what Wait, I, in 1956? Guys, yeah, that was, the, that was the plan. Yeah. You, you it would have been. Go didn't ahead. let me finish. Uh, the building <laughs> was 17 blocks, but it had a mechanism that. <laughs> Like a drawbridge, but for a bridge that pushed it up to a mile. So I think we get some points here. Uh, and and well, also, you're getting I, points regardless because you did fool them. Well, I thought that they said it would be, it would have been exactly one mile tall. Was the answer I heard from Charlie? <laughs> so you want them to get more points? Well, I said that they would be. Yeah, I want them That's to get more okay. points. I, I can do that for you, buddy. Don't worry. Here we go. Okay. Interesting. All right, Pal Drogo. It is an interesting tactic. Let's see if it pays off for them. I like it. I like it. Uh, with its tale of multiple houses feuding over a single throne, Game of Thrones owes much to the historical period known as the War of the Roses. Those real-life wars are filled with just as much drama as the War of the Seven Kingdoms. Consider the fate of James Butler, the Earl of Wiltshire, who was said to be the most handsome man in the kingdom. That also made him quite vain, and according to the contemporary historian known as Gregory led him to use some unconventional weapons. Gregory! <laughs> that was the name of the historian, yeah. So, in 1455, during the First Battle of St. Albans, what did the Earl of Wiltshire use to fight? And all the girls dreamed that they'd be your partner, they'd be your partner, and you're so vain. You probably think this song is Nice. Great. Uh, so what do you think here? This, uh, this very vain man, the Earl of Wiltshire, what did he use to fight during this battle? Because of how beautiful this man was. Gregory? The, Gregory's the historian. This okay. man is the Earl. Well, because of how beautiful this other man was, he would hold up a mirror to his opponents, and he would stand next to it to show them, hey, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he just used his beautiful visage and not the gleam from the mirror. Whoa. It was just, he was trying to like... If that happened to go as well, then... Okay. Yeah, so I mean, it was just a weird flex, but not using the refracted yeah. He light. won by weird flex. Okay. Yeah. Because like Helen of Troy had the, the visage that launched the thousand ships. The Earl of Wilkeshire had a visage that stopped the thousand fights. <laughs> Sorry, the Earl of what? Wilkeshire. Okay, yeah, I know the pronunciation. <laughs> Sounds like we're telling the truth. <laughs> And because I'm from there, I want to agree, <laughs> as is the rules you've stated. You're from St. Albans? From, no, from St. Uh We're going to disagree. Right? Okay. What do, you, what do you think the, uh, the actual weapon was? Oh, uh, yeah. he used the weapon of persuasion. persuasion. Oh, boy. Well, they said it in unison. Yeah. I was Which persuaded. Makes it true. Can we change our answer? Yeah. <laughs> so you want to change your answer to their answer? Correct. Is that okay with you two? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> what does that do to the points? Then we agree. Oh, okay. <laughs> For double I think, points. I think you just got double points, is what just happened. Uh, so the actual answer was his own heels. 
So oh, a heel turn. It was a heel turn, like like you would do in wrestling. Correct. Very. You're not gonna get bonus points for appealing ah. to my my passions here, Sammy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so basically, he would uh, turn around so his face wouldn't get uh, scarred during the fight and just kick people, basically. Oh. Yeah. What? T- today I it did not work we out. He was, be- he was beheaded close. six years later. <laughs> oh, six years later. Six years later. Hey, so it lasted little... six years. Pretty good, right? Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. Hey, not hey, Spencer. Bad. Yes, Jason. Can I tell a story about something that happened today? Yes. Sure. I, Please. It's about a video that I watched. <laughs> I can't wait. It was a video of a little boy who... Okay. Stay with me. Okay. Who uh, was in karate class, and he was trying to kick through a board. I saw this. Have you seen this? I did. And he couldn't, and he started to cry, and then everyone started to chant his name. And the man just kept grabbing his leg and telling him he could do it, which I thought was weird. But then he did it, and everyone went fucking crazy. Yeah, it was... Uh, and I apologized for swearing. <laughs> but it was that emotionally impactful. I got me. Honestly, I cried. That's, that's very nice, Jason. Thank, Thank you for you. telling that story. Now... Thank you. I can't believe you just got an applause break for that. I'm not clapping for that. I, I think that's fair. Now, Jorgon Wild, Game of Thrones' first real protagonist is the Lord of Winterfell, Ned Stark, played by Sean Bean. Some of us may know Sean Bean more for his role in another beloved fantasy epic, The Lord of the Rings, in which he plays Boromir, the steward prince of Gondor. Filming the Lord of the Rings series was a legendarily difficult task with many actors famously sustaining injuries, like Viggo Mortensen breaking his toes, Viggo Mortensen barely parrying away a real sword thrown at his head, and Viggo Mortensen shattering a tooth. Sean Bean encountered some unique challenges during filming due to a personal fear as well. What was Sean Bean afraid of, and how did this impact the Lord of the Rings filming? Dragon Wild, what do we think here? What is Sean Bean afraid of? So Sean Bean was afraid of water and uh, swimming in general. So uh, they were going to, after the passing of Boromir, when his character dies, uh, they were going to have his real body in... They were going to send it off a waterfall, of course, but uh, they were going to send it down the river, but they had to, uh, to uh, computer-generate his likeness in the boat because he was afraid of it. Okay. So he was... Just to make sure... They were gonna send his real body over the waterfall. No, I, like I said, they were gonna they were gonna cut away before the the waterfall, but they were going to send. They were him gonna him down. get him right up to it. <laughs> they were gonna they were gonna catch yeah, him like right yeah, up to they the edge. They were gonna have they were they gonna a little rope. Yeah, they were gonna have a couple of flying Willenda nets right at the base of the waterfall. Have you guys never seen a waterfall movie? Yeah. <laughs> Can you name three waterfall movies? Sure, Indiana Jones one, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> also, the you could have said the Fugitive as well. That's another yeah. one. The Fugitive 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> okay. If, if we had to put you in a movie, Jason, and you had to face your fear, what would that fear be? Oh, boy. It might be the show. <laughs> <laughs> and how would we overcome it with CGI? <laughs> with my body. <laughs> a much slimmer version of my body. <laughs> Do you think it's on the truth? Is this water? Is it water the fear he had? No. No. Uh, I was told I can't answer. <laughs> okay. He was. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think his, his fear was, then? Uh, he, he had a fear of, I want to say, flying or heights. So for the mountain shots, he would trek up the mountain to the chute where they were filming on the mountains of New Zealand. It was crazy because it was like a several-hour trek for him, but he did that. Trek means walk. <laughs> oh, thank you. And so, I wanted to say milk. So <laughs> Right. Well, luckily for you, you didn't because it was the fear of flying. Hey. 
That's right, yeah. So he's the John Madden of Lord of the Rings films. Uh, yes, if, if John Madden hates flying, then yes. <laughs> he does. Uh, he, he does, he rides a bus around. He is a sports guy, right? He is a sport. <laughs> he is a sport, okay, very good. Uh, let's uh, move on to Paul Drogo here. Uh, House Lannister's words are, hear me roar. In 1972, Helen Reddy wrote her hit song with the opening line, I am woman, hear me roar. Helen Reddy's empowerment anthem became a cultural phenomenon, being used on a movie soundtrack, Super Bowl ads, and a fairly regrettable Burger King commercial that, you don't look it up, it's really bad. <laughs> so Jason, are you allowed to watch Burger King stuff? No, that they, uh, no. No, okay. <laughs> uh, the song was such a huge hit that she performed it on Late Night with David Letterman no less than five times. But there was something unique about her five performances and something that no other guest on the show has done before or since. What made Helen Reddy's five Letterman performances so special? I am a woman, hear me roar In numbers too big to ignore And I know too much to go back and pretend Cause I've heard it all before And I've been down there on the floor No one's ever gonna get What do we think here? What made Helen Reddy's five Letterman performances so special? Um, she sang it in uh, different languages every time. Okay. Uh, disagree? <laughs> okay. Let's try playing the game a little some, bit. And, yeah, we uh, have some questions. We have follow-up questions. Yeah. What, what languages? Well, definitely one was German. German. Definitely one was German. Definitely, the first one. And, and what is that? German is one, two, and three. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are the first Dialects. Three. Yeah. English and Danish. So three Germans, an English, and a Danish. <laughs> Dialects of German. I see what, which dialects? Well, there's the Austrian dialect, of okay. course. Mm-hmm. The sure. English dialect, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and and the Danish dialect. Okay. Of course. Uh, why was she doing it in different languages? Like, what was the purpose? It's fucking... It's Letterman. It's Letterman. <laughs> it's Letterman. He loves Letterman, that. Dude. Letterman, dude. Yeah. Letterman loves that. And the first half of his name is Letter, which is, makes up words, which words make up language. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's pretty unimpeachable. Oh, yeah. I, got, I got one clap. From my teammate. From your teammate, okay. Pelazar. No, no extra points on that one. I really hated that. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, what, do you think uh, that's on the truth here? I mean, he almost swayed me with that, but then he got really excited about his own team clapping for him, so we're going to still disagree. Okay, and what do you think the actual answer is then? So most musical guests, when they come out, they sing on the stage off to the side. Uh, she sang it so many times, she sang it next to him with him. Okay, I see. Oh, uh, cabaret style? Yeah, oh yeah. Sh- like well, seated... Well, you, you were correct that they were lying, but the actual answer, uh, they were all on the same night. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. So early in the 1995 episode, she was planted in the audience for an audience talent show bit, and when asked what her ta- talent was, she just shouted out, hit it, Paul, and launched into her song as the audience went crazy. Wow. Later in the show, she appeared outside the set window behind Dave and launched into the song again, and later uh, entered singing, interrupting an interview with a visibly confused <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> When they cut to commercial, the producers green screened her in front of one of the ads, and she came back a fifth and final time as Dave was attempting to do the outro. <laughs> <laughs> Letterman, y'all. Letterman. Pretty good, right? Yeah. That's a solid that bit. Is it's pretty like funny. A solid yeah. bit. Letterman yeah. used to be the best sketch show on TV. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's see here. Drogo. <gasps> oh, Pal Drogo. Pal Drogo. Unfortunately, this uh, question is not for you, though, Pal Drogo. So. Oh, oh, man. I'm sorry. The Dothraki are a nomadic tribe of desert-roaming, horse-mounted warriors and were loosely inspired by the Huns, Mongols, and Native American tribes of the real world. Coincidentally, in the Wing Commander video games, the similarly named... <laughs> <laughs> Did you play these? That's as a like, deep nerd cut. Yeah, it's pretty deep, yeah. So similarly, uh, um, in, in, these, uh, in the Wing Commander video games, uh, there was a Kilrathi tribe 
which were a space-roaming feline warrior uh, tribe, also inspired by Huns, Mongols, and Native Americans. Now, the movie adaptation of Wing Commander is widely regarded as one of the most spectacular flops in cinema history, both financially and critically, only reclaiming $11 million of its $30 million budget and peaking at 10% on Rotten Tomatoes before closing after only a month in theaters. But, remarkably, it had a fantastic opening weekend when it was, re- when it was released in spring 1999, making more than half its total box office in just two days. So why did Wing Commander have such a strong opening weekend? Cause you had a bad day What do you think here? Why did Wing Commander have such a strong opening weekend? Uh, because at that time, a nude photo of Matthew Lillard had leaked, and it was just sweeping the country by storm. And, and Matthew Lillard is in Wing Commander? He is, yeah. Uh, he's with Freddie Prince Jr., his, uh, his later companion in the Scooby-Doo franchise. This uh, is a good crew. I should, I should have seen this movie. It's actually, it had, it had a decent cast. Uh, do you remember the actual plot of the Wing Commander movie? I remember the nude photo distinctly. <laughs> And the plot so, of it. So it's, it's 1999. We are still in the era of dial-up, pretty much. Definitely. How long did it take to download this nude picture of Matthew Lillard? Not uh, long enough. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Not long enough, yeah. I, like, we just had it. It was like a tantric download. I don't know. <laughs> Getting titillated slowly. When it, when it finally downloaded, did it say, you've got mail? <laughs> it made that fax noise. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Daryl, I, I, I don't I want to impugn you by saying that you studied this photo, but what was the actual pose or the, the area around him? The mise-en-scene, if you will. <laughs> um, he was uh, covered in blood, a la his character in Scream. Uh, but just he didn't have like the, the kind of ridged neck sweater that he had. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Do we then tell the truth? Did you just... say he was with Freddie Prince Jr. in the photo? He was not nude with Freddie Prince Jr. in the photo. Oh. No, this was a solo photo. What would Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, what would his mise en scène be if there was a nude photo? Um, he would be uh, kicking a soccer ball. <laughs> uh, would, would the soccer ball be in midair, tastefully? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he would he wouldn't let it drop because that's he can't do it. He's <laughs> <laughs> like a bicycle kick. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a holographic move between yeah. the ball and his foot, and then up in the air. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what do we, do we think that's on the truth? Is it a nude photo of Matthew Lillard? I don't remember the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the screen. On the screen, uh, Jason. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering why Winky Mander had a strong opening no. weekend. J- Jason just cracked himself up. <laughs> He's laughing so hard. J- I know you play by your own rules, so I don't, <laughs> I, I don't fault you, honestly. Uh, the answer is uh, no, they are not telling the truth. Okay, and what do you think the real answer is? <laughs> the answer is there was a little movie that opened up that released its trailer. It was The Phantom Menace. People would go see this trailer for the movie uh, and then leave. I believe Meet Joe Black also got a huge <laughs> box office spike from it. Sammy, you are crushing it tonight. That's exactly correct. Wow. This was the uh, first movie to feature the trailer for The Phantom Menace. So this is before YouTube or, or anything, so this is really the only way to see the trailer if you wanted to. Um, oh, well, there, really, was, there was a really nice applause that the audience just gave. It was like very. I think Jason's a little jealous, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but also Matthew Lillard. <laughs> All right, here we go. Game of Thrones has dragons. Ooh. That's that's correct. No spoilers. spoilers. No spoilers. One of the most well-known dragons uh, in general, not in the show, uh, is Puff the Magic Dragon. What? In the animated movie. Uh, Puff is voiced by legendary character actor Burgess Meredith, 
who is best known as Mickey from the Rocky movies and as the Penguin from the Adam West Batman series. One of Batman's top foes, the Penguin uses a special umbrella that can turn into a helicopter, a hypno device, and a gun. This special umbrella is based on a real device from the KGB called the Bulgarian Umbrella. Why was it called the Bulgarian Umbrella? Think you're a pal, Drogo. Why was it called the Bulgarian Umbrella? <laughs> oh, Miles is so excited about this answer. Okay, great. What, what do you think, you're Miles? I don't know. Jason was about to start about to start an awesome answer. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, just going to go too long, though. <laughs> um, because. Um, a small unit of people were trying to um, invade Bulgaria. Invade's the wrong word. They were trying to enter Bulgaria, but they couldn't bring their weapons, so they armed umbrellas with guns and hid them in there, so when they got in there, they had weapons. Okay. Uh, so it's colon uh, Jason we Met's answer. <laughs> Which was a ton of bl- Bulgarian blood was raining down from the sky after a big battle, like a lot of explosions and everything. And then, so what they had to do is they had to have actual umbrellas to uh, shade themselves from the blood. Sure. From the literal blood. From the sure. actual so Bulgarian like blood. A, like a biblical plague raining down from the sky. So yeah. there was a, a dog fight with, and the Bulgarian Air Force just got completely slaughtered. Yeah. And they were shooting people above themselves. What, and... uh, was Slayer playing at the time? <laughs> yeah, Rain, Rain and Blood was yeah. just playing yeah, over and over again. About what time was this happening? 12.30 p.m. <laughs> I knew when I asked that question, he was going to answer that. Yeah, that's what you get for that. Yeah, yeah. I walked into that. Did It'd it show fif- up on the forecast? <laughs> It'd be in the 50s during the height of the Cold War. So it was it was just raining blood and not debris and other parts. I like that, I like that you guys are focusing on my happy <laughs> answer. It's the most important. <laughs> I think it's the e- most easily debunkable answer. Yeah. So, so we've, all, we've all seen Top Gun. We've seen Russian blood fall from the skies. Have we? <laughs> Did that happen in Top uh, Top Gun? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they got shot down. I don't know, Russian blood. Yeah, I don't, I don't see. I remember a volleyball scene. <laughs> That's all I remember. Right after. That movie. Oh, it was right after. Yeah. Okay. Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr. were in it. The whole movie just would have been a volleyball scene if not for the blood. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> what uh, weapons were snuck in in the umbrella? Just handguns? Uh, full rifles. Full rifles. Oh, full rifles. Full rifles. So, wait, was it. Was it a- an umbrella that had been turned into a gun, or was it a gun that had been turned into an umbrella? Yeah, like did the tip shoot like in spy chicken, movies? Chicken or the egg, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's no. our answer. That's our chicken answer. Chicken or the egg. Do you think they're telling the truth about either of their answers? I, I think, I'm, I agree. Yeah, I think the first <laughs> part's right. right. I think the first part's right. <laughs> uh, Daryl th- seems skeptical, but it's too late. He's, <laughs> he's been overridden. Kyle uh, Drogo, against all odds, you, you did manage to uh, fool them. Uh, so basically, it's called the Bulgarian Umbrella because the first time the gun umbrella device was used successfully was to assassinate <laughs> Bulgarian dissident writer Georgi Markov. I, I, That's I right. said that. And you can learn more about the assassination <laughs> by watching the British documentary, The Umbrella Assassin. Oh, fun. Yeah, it's about um, The Umbrella Assassin. <laughs> uh, Available okay. on Netflix? Uh, no, that's the Umbrella Academy. Oh. <laughs> oh, I see. Daryl still looks shocked about all these turn of events here. <laughs> Why did we agree? Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have a better answer? 
Daryl asking the hard-hitting questions out there. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, jo- this is the episode I just watched. Oh, this, oh yeah, that's right. Miles, you're catching yeah, yeah. up on Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah. And, yeah. I just finished uh, season seven. Yeah, how much Game of Don't applaud that. Yeah. How much Game of Thrones have you watched and how much time? Um, in the last like week and a half, I watched seven seasons, which is about 70-plus hours. <laughs> okay. Very good. Only what six is your more par- to go. Mm-hmm. What does your apartment smell like? Uh, I don't know, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, joke on wild. Uh, so we've established that Game of Thrones does indeed have dragons. Uh, and if you're a Disney fan, then you might also be familiar with another dragon named Figment. Mm. Now, Figment is the sidekick to the dream... F- now, Jason, we met. Feel free to correct me if any of this is wrong. You're a big Diz head. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for the audience applause break when Figment was mentioned. I don't know that people know who Figment is, honestly. Oh, might... Figment's amazing. It's a real shame. It is a real shame, and, and Figment is amazing. So Figment is a sidekick to the Dreamfinder in the Epcot ride Journey into Imagination. Preparing, uh, excuse me, premiering in 1983, the Dreamfinder shows the audience how to use their imagination and the importance of it. Figment is along for the ride, helping out and causing comical chaos. Uh, he was also voiced by character actor Billy Barty. Now, Billy Barty also happened to be an activist. Uh, I want to know uh, what activism was Billy Barty actually involved with? Do you get it? Yep. It's Imaginary Dragon. So. Oh! Imagine Dragons. It's, it's honestly <laughs> nice. really good. Good job, Spencer. Silence. Good needle drop, baby. Spencer, can you give yourself points for that? Uh, I, will, I, will, I will give my girlfriend Aaron points for coming up with it. I, did not, I am not that smart. Can you take away points for going out of your way to mention your girlfriend? I will take away points. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was a humble points? brag, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hi, Aaron. Me. I know you're listening. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> can, okay. uh, can Sammy get some points for that sweet, sweet roast? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you some points. Yeah, you got me pretty good, bud. <laughs> All right, what do we think here? What activism was Billy a part of, Drogon Wild? Um, so I, I'm trying to, uh, I don't know if I have the politically correct terminology, but uh, he was an activist for little people's rights. Okay. Uh, he, was a, he was a little person. Sure. Uh, I think just, I, I want to follow up on that, but I just want to give points to Erin, your girlfriend, uh-huh. because she sent me an email for uh, CBD cream to rub on my knee because it hurts sometimes. <laughs> and I think that deserves something when you help someone not be in pain anymore. Uh, did, did you actually use the... the, the well, I have to buy it first. You have to buy it first. I'm can, sure. I'll give her points Sammy, anyway for the rack. Can Sammy lose points for kissing up like this? So <laughs> yeah, I, I will. So I'm going to take away those points I gave you earlier. Yeah, thank you're, you. you're back to even. <laughs> uh, Spencer, so, do I have any points? Uh, you personally? Yeah. No. Great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what's your favorite part about Disney? You love Disney. You're a Diz oh, head. My favorite part about Disney? We don't have time. <laughs> 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 I'll, let you, I'll let you say one, one thing. Because I know you have a list. Like you're a, you're a, for real a big Diz head, right? Yeah, I'm a big Diz head. I'm a large. I have a large head for Disney. <laughs> um, it's so large and whole, and wholesome. Uh huh. <clears throat> um, my favorite part about Disney, honestly, is the memories of being there. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that was a prompt. <laughs> Like a true Diz head. I, I wish I had been tracking how many applause breaks you've earned and how many you have not earned. Uh, mm. So, Daryl. What, did he lose any voice acting jobs because of his activism? I know other actors have lost jobs because of their activism. Billy Barty killed it in the 80s. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he was in Legend. He was in Masters of the Universe, which is a little more ignominious, <laughs> admittedly. But no, I don't think he lost anything. 
he, I love that you named like one of a big hits, Legend, which was Ridley Scott's failure, and then Masters of the Universe with what's this Dolph, Dolph Lundgren? Lundgren. Oh, that was such a bad movie. Was he the I, master? Billy Myrtle? No, Dolph Lundgren. Was he the master? <laughs> no, he I'm, was, I've never seen either of these movies. He was He-Man. He-Man. Yeah, and would you not describe He-Man as the master? That's yeah, true. Okay. Points. <laughs> Thank you. Points. I'm back to zero. It sounds like he was punished more by being in those movies. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, someone wanted to break him. Dolph oh Lundgren. Oh, my God. Rocky IV. Hello. All right, what do you think? Do you think that's on the truth? Is Billy Barty a little person uh, activist? We agree. We agree. And I want to say why. Okay. Because when this question was posed, Daryl was so excited. Gave oh, away, okay. my man. So you're, you're metagaming. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it paid I'm off. into this game. Daryl was correct. Uh, so standing at three foot nine, Billy was an activist for the rights of people with dwarfism. Yep. He co-founded the group Little People of America, uh, which is a nonprofit organization which provides support, information, and resources for individuals with dwarfism and their families. Nice. Well done. Well he done. He was very excited. Charlie, what were your house words again? Um, you don't have Bud Light Lime. You got Bud Light. You got a lime. Y'all got Bud Light Lime. <laughs> That's also the ad campaign. <laughs> All right, uh, Paul Drogo, we're, we're nearing the end of the, of the game, so this is your final question. Oh, what Season a sad eight. moment. Season eight for us right here. Now, yeah, oh, Kit Harrington plays know. the role of Jon Snow on Game of Thrones. Uh, he's the lore commander of the Night's Watch, and he's 2013's number one horny cave boy. Jon Snow... <laughs> John Snow isn't Kit Harington's only role, however. He also took a starring role in the 2014 film Pompeii, which told the story of the town of Pompeii, famously destroyed in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Though the film couldn't get above a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, the actual town of Pompeii produced tons of famous art and artifacts upon its discovery in the mid-18th century. Some of this art, however, was not shared with the public, such as a wall fresco of the god Priapus. Why was this depiction of the god Priapus not shared with the public? But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like you've been here before? How I'm thinking to be an optimist about... Alright, what do we think here? Why was this depiction of Priapus not shared with the public? I, I feel so ashamed that I know this, because... Priapism. You knew it right away. <laughs> you knew it right, <laughs> you knew it right away. away. Right away. Okay. Uh, just from the name, because prepism is when you have uh, an erection that won't go away. Okay. So prepis was a, probably a, either a statue or a fresco of a man with a large penis sure. that was erect. Okay. So this was shameful because it the nice way to depict someone was a perfectly flaccid person, like the statue of David. Yeah, it's like, you know that movie Shame with Michael Fassbender? Yeah, I like the they movie. could show his flaccid penis. They just couldn't show it if it was erect. We'd also so like, it was MPAA ratings. Yes, correct. That, okay, cool. We'd well, also like to give a shout out for that needle drop. Pompeii was it? Great oh, thanks. Needle? That was uh, also, also my Aaron? girlfriend Aaron that came up with that. Hey, Aaron, you're killing it on this. Aaron, you are so great. No, I said it first. Oh, he wanted it more. Take points away. <laughs> <laughs> Trap set. So, <laughs> yeah, you got regular Yu-Gi-Oh over there. <laughs> so the only reason was because it was erect. Yeah, yeah. Because they want to keep their, their they want to keep their wholesome image. You should be ashamed of every erection you have. <laughs> I know I am. Yeah, you ever you ever go to the bathroom in a Buca de Beppo? There's a lot of penises in there, but none of them are erect. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say you had an erection. In can you, uh, Jason, can you describe to me nope. what you've seen? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 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 do, we th- do we think they're telling the, the truth or, well, or not? We disagree a little bit because it's almost right. <laughs> the real reason is it's not only it's the erection, but the wings around it. There's wings on it. There's wings on it, like a maxi pad. <laughs> okay, I see. Have you ever seen a maxi pad? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> But there's all those commercials that say they have wings. That's true. Yeah, it's the it's the Red Bull of feminine products. Aaron told me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, oh, the audience didn't like that Aaron joke. <laughs> uh, I, I missed it. Sorry. Uh, so, it's but the yeah, opposite you were, of an applause break. You uh, you were correct. It was uh, his extremely large member. Yeah, uh, he was yeah. the ancient god of sex and fertility, and thus was depicted by the residents of Pompeii to be incredibly well da- uh, endowed. Now, the Counter-Reformation in Europe in the 1700s, when this was uncovered, resulted in the Catholic revival and a vastly different attitude towards sex. Which is interesting, because in, I want to say, the Greek statues, the reason they're all flaccid and have small members is because uh. it was uncouth and uncivilized that, to be well-endowed. Thank so, you. But it was cool to have a relationship with it. Can, can Sammy just keep saying small member? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now here's the, the final question uh, for Drug on Wild. Uh, lots of Game Aww. of Thrones fans were upset when Jon Snow left Winterfell without giving his direwolf so much as a scratch behind the ears, and Twitter exploded with complaints about his treatment of this big fluffy good boy. But in real life, there aren't many people who have been as kind to wolves as George R.R. R. Martin. One of the many charities he supports is the Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary in New Mexico, and he ran a campaign that raised over half a million dollars for the charity back in 2014. Part of the success of that campaign was a special reward for any donors who gave $20,000 or more to the fund. What did George R.R. R. Martin promise these high-rolling donors? Joke on Wild, what did George R.R. R. Martin promise these high-rolling donors? Um, so what he did was he actually promised uh, like a, a snippet from the newer book um, that he was coming out with. Okay, yep. a snippet. Cool. Uh, I, are you a big George R.R. R. Martin fan? No. Oh. <laughs> are anyone, is anyone on the team? No. No. <laughs> no. Are, no. Eh? Sam? <laughs> I like him. Sammy, are, are you a big George R.R. R. Martin? I used to be, and then eight years went by. (laughs) Look, he is not... I get it. I mean, sometimes as an artist, you need time. Look, even you get tired of that crap, too, right? (laughs) Sammy's just singling out audience members hoping for applause. (laughs) You get it, right? You get it. Yeah, I get it, right? Does reading the books equal a fan? That's a good point. Like, I don't know any of his other works. I've read them. I'm not a fan of them. Sure. I've read the Bible, not a fan. Right. <laughs> wow. Just, I'm too real for the room. Wow. Yeah. We just used philosophy. <laughs> Walk it back a little, bud. I was going to ask you, what is your favorite snippet from the books? Like, do you have a favorite phrase or a moment? This is a terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite snippet from the book? I, uh, my favorite, because I make fun of it, is like when he always says, like, oh, Words are wind. And he uses it like 20 times in the same book because he won't listen to his editor. Uh, <laughs> sure, yeah. Like his editor is about as useless as nipples on a breastplate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's another Joel one Schumacher. he uses a lot of those. 
Uh, so I think they're lying. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you think the, the correct answer is then? So it kind of is kind of along the same lines is that for the donors, he would write them into the new book okay. and give them a notable death. Okay. So the named characters after them or inspired by their name and then get a death. Okay. Yeah. Sammy, you're crushing it. That's exactly correct. What? That's right. He would kill you. Yeah. If you don't need a large enough sum, he would write you into the book and then kill you off. Sammy won that contest, which is why he knows. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, he's just waiting to die. He's waiting forever. Yeah. For uh, Sam, now, Sammy's had a great game, but I just want to remind everyone that I knew what a Luau burger was. Thank you. I got record the, five applause breaks. At the, at the end of the game, I do have a score. Uh, in first place with applause breaks is Jason we met, so... And I, I would thank like you to all thank, so much. I would like to thank my teammate because of that strong start. I was able to build off that momentum because it's a team game. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Jason, you actually didn't win anything, but <laughs> uh, thank you. Just uh, like always. Uh, I want to uh, say, uh, Aaron, my girlfriend, got thirty points. Congratulations, Aaron. Hey. Uh, Drill gone wild. You did. You did beat. Um, you, you beat her with forty points. Uh, but the big winners were Pal Drogo with seventy-five points. So congratulations. Hey! We want to say thank you, everybody in the audience. Thank you, everyone at home, and have a Take good night. Take that, Aaron. Let Sleeping Dogs Lie is recorded in front of a live audience every Monday at 8 o'clock right here in Chicago at the Comedy Sports Theater. If you'd like to see the show live, use the code FETCH at the box office for half off your ticket price. Let Sleeping Dogs Lie is an arcade audio production. Find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LSDL Show. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our show is produced by Spencer Hamilton, Patrick Connolly, and Rich Camelucci. Written by Spencer Hamilton, Patrick Connolly, Connor Doyle, Rob Grabowski, Zach Mast, and Mandy Sellers. Hosted by Spencer Hamilton. Our panel this week, Daryl Monty and Jason We Met, both perform at the Crowd Theater. You can catch them there every Friday at 10 p.m. Charlie Williams performs with Comedy Sports Chicago, as well as Laugh Out Loud Theater. Miles Potter performs at IO Chicago with the Herald team Buttermilk, and can also be heard on the Riverside Falls podcast right here on Arcade Audio. Jason Geis is the artistic director of Comedy Sports Chicago. And as always, Sammy Tamimi can be found all around Chicago, performing, directing, teaching, and being a nerd. Let Sleeping Dogs Lie is made possible in part by listeners like you. Check out patreon.com slash arcadeaudio for more info on how you can help. Thanks for listening to Let Sleeping Dogs Lie, the world's only game show. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.